Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Today we are finishing off our fruit bearing series. Uh, we have been going through this for the past uh, five weeks. This is the fifth week, uh, and we're going to close it off today. Uh, there's a lot that, that could be said, but we're going to uh, save that for another time. Uh, today we're going to be talking about pruning. Uh, but I just wanted to recap before we move on uh, where we've been. Uh, and this, this uh, series has been centered around this theme that, hap- that appears in the scriptures over and over again uh, about how God's people, the people that follow and obey and want to be part connected to God, his people are like branches that are connected to him, like either a vine or a tree. And their purpose, their created purpose in that is to produce fruit. And so we see that analogy come up in Scripture uh, many times about how we, as God's people, are supposed to be bearing fruit and what does that look like. Uh, and so we've been talking about that in the first week. We identified what fruit is, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's not individual fruits. Those, that's one all-collective fruit. Uh, so if we are going to live out our creative purpose and produce the spiritual fruit in our life. We have to be doing all of that at once. Uh, and so we've been kind of walking through what does that look like week after week. And Gary brought up uh, in the second week that we, are, we have to remain connected. We have to walk uh, with the Spirit and remain connected to Jesus, connected to the vine or the, the tree. And as we do that, we will be able to bear fruit. And, um, and that, that's going to take time, as we looked, about, looked at in week three, that it takes time to grow and it takes time to produce this fruit. And we have to be patient with that, but persistent as well. Uh, we also, last week, uh, Alex explained some of the things that we need to be doing along the way to maintain spiritual health. Uh, that just like a tree needs to remain healthy and have all its needs met to produce fruit, we in our spiritual life need to have our needs met. Uh, and so we've been kind of working through that uh, and we need to take care of the needs uh, and we will inevitably produce fruit. Um, and I'd say this series has been pretty fruitful. What do you guys think? Hey, second service got it a little bit better. Okay. Michael would be proud of me. All right. uh, Let's pray and then we'll move on. God, uh, this is your time. Uh, We give it over to you. I give it over to you and ask that uh, you can use this. Um, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity and thankful uh, for what you've put on my heart. I pray, Lord, that uh, you can speak now and... uh, Speak to all of us and help us learn and grow in our relationship with you. Help us wrestle with your truth and um, live it out in our lives. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you take this time and help us all just lay everything down before you right now and and listen to what you have to say. Uh, We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, one of the things that I've been doing over the past couple of years uh, is studying church history. It's something that I've just been fascinated about. Uh, I learned a little, I took a class in college about church history, and my college uh, life was much more about passing classes than it was actually learning things. Uh, there, was some, there was some parts that I really enjoyed learning, but most of it was just like, what do I need to know to get out of here? Um, and so uh, I have since, like, I, I actually woke up one night uh, from a dream and just thought, I need to go back and read that book that I read in college. And uh, so I, I've been going through church history over the past couple of years and learning more and more about it. Uh, and one of the things that I was really interested in doing was finding out some of the, the important figures that appeared after Scripture uh, that have led and helped the church get through its, its season of life. 
Uh, and it's really interesting to me, and I, I've been trying to read some of uh, those, those people, those figures, uh, some of their writings and things. And one of the, the people that stuck out to me that I, I really enjoyed a lot of what he had to say was St. Augustine. Uh, he was a bishop of Hippo, and uh, he's got an interesting life. He, he lived very uh, licentiously, uh, and then God had a conversion um, and ended up being a, a well-known writer and a, an, a, an impressive theologian, too. And something he theorized I really liked and, and clung on to and actually uh, helped inspire this series. Uh, and so, so his theory, what he decided or what he, he felt uh, was important to share was that God wrote two books to reveal who he is. Uh, one of those is the obvious one, Scripture. God wrote Scripture to reveal who he is to people. And that, in and of itself, is an important thing for us to take in because I think a lot of us approach Scripture trying to figure out what does it mean for me and how, does, to, how do I fit into this? We read this as if we're the main character of this story and what does it mean for me? Uh, but really, the main character, if you read through all of this, you understand that the main character of this story is actually God. And God is actually doing his best to reveal who he is and establish a relationship with his people. And you see that throughout the scriptures as God uses people and, and tries to connect with them and establish covenants with them and ultimately send his son to be with them and die for them. That's all about God. And so scripture reveals who God is. The other book that Augustine says that God reveals himself through is creation that God created everything, uh, and out of that, and if you notice in the creation account, how, what was the action that God did to create things? He spoke. It was words that he used uh, to, to share. So this is the, the other book that God wrote. He spoke into existence. And as you study both of these, you will get to know who God is. So you can study scripture and get to know who God is, and you can study creation and get to know God is, who God is. And what Augustine notes is that uh, not everybody gets uh, the privilege of reading this version or this book of revealing who God is, but... Everyone has had the opportunity to read the other book of who God is. And uh, so he, he notes that. And one of the things that he postulates in this is that uh, these two books don't actually conflict. Uh, I think a lot of the time we have a fear of this. Uh, and, and, and throughout church history, there's been a lot of fear that the more we study in science, the more we learn about creation, uh, the weaker our faith might become. We might be afraid to discover something that we don't like. But what Augustine says is we shouldn't be afraid of that because these two books don't actually conflict with each other. Uh, creation and nature, science, they, they actually are revealing God just like Scripture is. And it's the same God, and he wrote them both. And so the more you understand them, the, the more you'll realize they actually work in conjunction with each other. They're both explaining and describing the same big, powerful, amazing God. Um, and if they do seem to conflict at times, the problem isn't scripture or nature, it's actually our understanding of them. And so we have to learn and, and uh, understand more. And that's why one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, because I really like science, I like learning more, and the more I learn about it, the more I see God work in creation, his creation is speaking to me, I'm like, oh, actually that, that has a lot to do with my spiritual life, and I didn't realize that. Uh, and I think we've seen that in this series. This series has actually been like working in conjunction uh, with both of those books. One, it's about nature and how God created trees to live and fruit-bearing plants to bear fruit. 
And then it also is tying into scripture because we see time and time again this analogy being used. And so nature and scripture are both trying to describe this very same thing. And we can learn from both of them and see how, what God has to say for us. And, and throughout the series, I've been feeling that. I don't know if you've experienced that with me, but uh, like a couple weeks ago, we, so I had two trees up here, if you weren't, haven't been here since the beginning. One was a fruit-bearing uh, live apple tree, uh, and then there's this fake tree. Uh, the apple tree uh, began to die, <clears throat> because apparently I'm not super good at taking care of plants. Uh, but I, I have been learning. It's, it's, it's still alive, I hope. Uh, and it's, it's outside in the back. I planted it. I took some, a couple hours a couple weeks ago and dug out a big old hole and cu- took some rocks out. Uh, Sarah Hamilton told me I, I need to speak some kindness to the tree. And so I, I, I go out there just about every day and tell him it's doing a great job. And, and I'm getting emotionally attached to this tree. And if, so if you see me talking to a tree, I, I am. Um, but uh, as we've gone on, I've been learning about it. Like a couple weeks ago, we talked about the first thing that the tree does when it's, it's dying, when it needs help and it's crying out for help, is to shed its leaves uh, which, as we understand, you know, like the leaves make it look like it's alive. The leaves make it look like it's good, like it's healthy and everything's okay. But yet a tree will abandon that look to be saved, to cry out for help. Uh, and this fake tree, all it does is it wants to have leaves to make it look good, even though it's not actually alive. And so we can learn from this. And as we look at, uh, at nature and the way God designed things to work, uh, we can understand uh, a bit more about our spiritual lives as well. So today we're talking about uh, pruning as the final piece of this. Uh, and pruning is a little different. Uh, pruning isn't necessarily something I would say has to happen for fruit, uh, but it's something that should and definitely helps um, along the process. And it's something that is happening, uh, and we'll understand that more as we go along. But I wanted to look at it from both perspectives. And so I wanted to first look at it from the nature perspective and study what is the purpose of pruning. And, and since we, we are fortunate to live in a time that uh, a lot of scripture has been studied very well, and we can learn from a lot of people that have written about it, uh, we also live in a time where we've learned a lot about creation and nature around us. And so we can learn a lot about that. So the more, we have a lot of information to be able to help us understand things better. So I looked up what is the purposes of pruning. Uh, and as I began to study more and more, basically I just Googled it. Uh, but I, I, I looked at a few different websites and I, I kind of boiled it down to a few things. Uh, but the, the overarching purpose of pruning is to manage growth. And I just want you to sit with that for a minute, the, uh, the thought of managing growth. Um, but the, the three ways in which that happens, the three, per, the three reasons why you would prune a tree uh, is that you first would promote the health of the tree and its branches. Uh, so sometimes branches have a, a tendency to overextend themselves uh, and sometimes you need to prune things off so that the, the nutrients can go to the branches that it needs to go to so that the branch will survive and thrive. Uh, so that's, that's what's happening to, uh, in that process of pruning. It actually helps the tree and helps the individual branches be healthier and last longer. Uh, another thing that pruning, another reason you might prune, uh, and by the way, I, I've, I've actually seen this happen uh, where my parents had a, had a tree in their backyard, a lemon tree that didn't understand the concept of a season and just always had lemons. Uh, the most incredible fruit-bearing tree I've ever seen but sometimes they would grow too much lemons and actually branches would break off uh, and because it, it overextended itself. So th- there's an example of that. Uh, 
Also, uh, the second reason to prevent damage to, the, to things around the tree, plants, people, and property. Uh, so another reason you might be pruning a, a tree is if uh, it's getting in the way of other uh, things. It's getting in the way of uh, other plants being able to grow. It's growing too leafy, and so sunlight's not getting through, or it's uh, directly hurting another branch, and they're growing into each other. Uh, you can prune it to help it not hurt anything, or it's obstructing a path uh, where people walk, or it's, it's leaning into property, you prune it so that its structure doesn't impede anything around it. Uh, so that, that's to help the world around the tree, you prune it for that reason. And then the final reason that uh, all of them agree on is to remove dead or decaying branches. Uh, any branch that has died or is, is dying uh, and might actually damage the tree or cause uh, more damage than good, uh, it you should prune those branches off. Um, and something someone said to me right after first service was actually really interesting. He's, he mentioned that most of the time when you, you're doing pruning, you only really prune uh, plants that man has, has planted. You don't go out and prune too much in nature that is naturally growing. You go out and prune man-created plants. Uh, so I, I just something to think about. Uh, but those are the reasons for pruning. And one of the... like. All of that is t- for the purpose of managing growth. And that led me to a thought that I've been wrestling with uh, all week. And uh, that this idea that growth may not always be good. And I've been wrestling with this because I'm an American. And an American me- as an American man, uh, I know that my, my job is to accumulate, to achieve, to accomplish, to promote myself, to achieve more, rise up ranks, and, and become more successful, more influential, uh, and, and, and get more for myself. That's what America has taught me growing up, that I, I should be more and more successful. And uh, so growth, in that, in, if that's the case, then growth is always good. The more I can grow, the better. Because the more I grow, the more I accumulate, the more I do. And so I'm going to make my branch the best branch ever. I'm going to grow so big and so powerful that it doesn't matter who's around me. It, I'm just the best branch ever. But yet, as I look at nature and see how God designed trees to be, I understand that you know, maybe not all growth is good. And that's not me saying it's bad. That's just me saying that maybe it's not the best good. That maybe the, the, the growth that I'm experiencing in some ways isn't actually what's best for myself in the long run. And it also may not be what's best for the world around me. Uh, so uh, pruning exists to, to help trees and branches thrive uh, and be the best that they can possibly do, be to achieve the ultimate good. And so uh, I've been learning that that growth may not always good, and that pruning is necessary. So that means even taking steps back from growth might be important, and uh, we have to take those moments so that we can grow properly in the right way so that we ourselves are healthy and also the world around us. What does Scripture say, though? Uh, let's take a look at the, the, what Scripture says about pruning. Uh, we're going to look at John fifteen 6. I'm reading from the ESV, and it says this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. There's your positive message for Sunday morning. Woohoo! 
this is the part of Jesus explaining that he, he's talking to, to uh, his disciples and letting them know that he is the vine and we are the branches and we have to abide with him. And this is what Gary touched on in the second week about how we have to remain connected to Jesus. And as we can remain connected, we have life and we produce fruit. Uh, and if we don't remain connected, if we don't abide in the vine, then we die and we get cut off and thrown into the fire. So the purpose of pruning in scripture is to remove unconnected and unfruitful branches. And as, as we see here from this passage, and that's something that's a common theme of the pruning that happens in scripture, which ties into that, that final piece of nature's pruning. Um, but there's another passage that I wanted to turn our attention to. And Paul in Romans actually engages in this topic and what's interesting is Paul presents something that Nate, the stuff that I studied, didn't even talk about. Um, so let's see what Paul has to say about pruning. In Romans chapter 11, verse 13 through 24. Now I am speaking to you, Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what would their, their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as fruits, first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So Paul is uh, writing this letter to the Roman church, and uh, the reason why I love this book uh, so much of the Bible is because Paul explains basically his entire theology in it. Uh, in the other letters that he's writing, he's either visited or heard specific stories that he's trying to address. Uh, but in Romans, he hasn't visited them yet, and it wants to. And he doesn't know what they've heard or what they've been taught yet. So instead of writing something specific, he writes just an overarching thesis of what he believes. And it's, it's Paul's version of the gospel uh, and I really enjoy it uh, very much. And, and as I've read through it and studied it, I took a class. It was the, the, one of the classes that I really paid attention to and, and learned a lot from in college was Romans. And as I studied it, uh, I learned more and more about uh, what it all says. And there's particular parts that kind of rub you the wrong way. And it's actually in this section, verse, or chapters 9 through 11, people don't necessarily like, particularly chapter 9. Uh, and as you read through it individually, it might stick out and be like, well, this doesn't sound right. Because Paul's dealing with a specific issue that he himself, so he's not writing to their issues, he's talking about an issue that he's experienced. And so what he's been experiencing is he has this deep love and desire for the Israelites that he is a part of. He's a Jew, 
and he would call himself the Jew of Jews, and he loves his brothers, and he wants them to know Jesus. But every time he goes to a new place, the first place he goes is to a synagogue, and he wants to preach to them, and every time he does, he experiences the same kind of reaction. They reject him. They hate him. They actually, most of them, try to either kill him or imprison him. And so he's, he is facing this, and yet every time he goes to a new place, he goes to them first. Uh, because he cares about them. He loves them so deeply. In fact, in, in chapter 9, he, he explains how deep his love is, is that he'd be willing to sacrifice his own salvation for the sake of theirs. So he loves them so desperately, and yet over and over again, he's experiencing the same thing, and he describes it as God hardening their hearts. That God, he, he comes to preach the gospel, and he notices and he feels that God is hardening their hearts to reject the message. And so Paul is experiencing, and that's when you, you and, and he, he likens it to like, uh, this moment where uh, God is this potter and, and, and people, his people are the clay and he can shape them into whatever he wants to do his overarching purpose. Whatever God has designed, that's what's most important. And you start to get this picture of a mean God that just you know, wants to reject some people and harden their hearts and shape people in whatever he wants. But as Paul continues, he starts to see how this all plays out. And this analogy, he finishes it off with kind of describes the whole thing that he goes to the Jews and he tries to preach to them first, but they reject him. So that forces him to turn to people that will listen, anybody that will listen. And who does he go to? He goes to the Gentiles. And that's how Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, not because he wanted to, but because they're the only ones that would listen to him. And so he'd go to the Gentiles and preach to them and they would receive the Holy Spirit. And what Paul notes in this passage is that he is seeing, he is seeing God reject and, and cut off people that are choosing not to have relationship, that aren't living out their created purpose, that are not remaining connected to him and are fake dead trees, fake dead branches. And so God is cutting them off and grafting in new branches that do believe. And it's this process that Paul has been experiencing where God is, is taking these Israelites that are supposed to be living out their created purpose and having relationship with him and putting their God on display to the world around them, and yet they're not. They're, they're hearing the gospel and choosing not to be a part of it and choosing not to believe in Jesus. And so they're, they're being cut off and room has been made now for these new branches to come in, uh, for the, these branches to be grafted in, which are the Gentiles that didn't get raised as part of the tree, aren't naturally part of the tree because they weren't raised knowing scripture, weren't raised knowing who God was, weren't taught from a young age what that's like, uh, but they are they still have life and they're choosing to believe and they're, they're wanting to be connected to the tree. And now they have the opportunity to do that. But what Paul notes, and this is what I, I really love about this, is Paul doesn't see this story ending there. He doesn't see this being the end of that, uh, where the, the Israelites have been rejected. Uh, but he sees that their rejection leads to the Gentiles coming to know Jesus and that them coming to know Jesus and being connected to the tree and having real life and putting their God on display and, and fruit being born through them, that the Holy Spirit is working within them. As the, as the Jews see that happening in the Gentiles, they will be moved by their jealousy. They will be moved by a desire like, hey, wait a minute. That's supposed to be my God. That's supposed to be the relationship I'm supposed to have. He believes that it will work out where these Jews that see this happening in the Gentiles will want to have relationship with God again and be grafted right back into the tree. And he explains that you shouldn't have any arrogance or anything else because it's not, it's not you that 
uh, that supports the root, but the root that supports you. And so you shouldn't have any arrogance. And, and if a God is willing to cut off branches that were naturally a part of the tree for, this, for your sake, then he's definitely willing to cut you off for the sake of those branches again. Um, so this whole analogy works out to explain how we need to have faith and remain connected, walking with the Spirit, having life throw, uh, flow through us, and uh, the roots support us. And so Paul has been explaining this, and, and in our modern day, uh, we don't really necessarily deal with the whole Israelites and Gentiles anymore, uh, but I still think this phenomenon is kind of happening, where we have uh, people that were raised to be part of the family of God. People like myself. I was born on pew number two. You know, pews, pews by the way, are a place where churches, we used to have seats that were pew. Anyway, uh, I, was, I was raised in the church. I've been going to there since I've, I was a young boy and I've been taught the scriptures. I've sought to memorize and I knew all the songs. I, I know every VBS theme that there's ever been. You know, like I, 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 I used to be a part of Awana. Who's a part of Awana? Anyone? Yeah, all right. You guys are saved. That's good. Uh, so I... Uh, I've been a part of it. I know it. I've been raised in this. I'm one of the, the natural branches that uh, occur in this tree because I've known God my whole life. Um, but I also know that I'm, I, I have learned to have real relationship and real connection with God. I've learned to have my own faith and my own trust in God that didn't rely on, on anyone else but was something that God made real within me. Uh, but I also know that that's not the case for everyone, that there's a lot of people that have grown up in similar situations as me that instead of learning to be a real branch and be authentic and have a real relationship and have God flow through them, uh, they learn to be something like this, where they're just putting it on the surface, making it look like just to get through their life, and then really they fall away and not have real relationship with God. And I think that that's just the same thing that Paul is a, a, uh, realizing is happening with the Israelites, is that They've been believing that they're living out their created purpose, that God called the Israelites, right? He, he called them because Abraham had faith. And because Abraham had faith, uh, he, he created a nation out of Abraham's descendants. And then he called them to be his royal priesthood, to put him on display for the whole world to see. Uh, and so they, that was their, their calling. And yet uh, these Israelites are rejecting the message of Jesus and are rejecting this real authentic relationship with God. And because of that, they're being cut off. They're not living out their creative purpose. They're not producing fruit. So what Paul sees is happening, I think is still happening to this day, where there are people that are raised in it and are natural branches to the tree being cut off. And yet there's also people like the Gentiles that, weren't naturally grown, that don't naturally grow up into uh, God's family and are grafted in later because they choose to believe. Uh, the people that didn't necessarily grow up in the church but learn about Jesus and want to be in that relationship with him. And they show what real authentic relationship with him looks like. And hopefully that same thing that Paul was hoping for then is still happening where people like myself that have been raised in the church uh, that have fallen away or either because they became fake or, or just died off from overexertion or something, whatever caused them to, to not have that connection or real relationship anymore. Hopefully they see these new people coming in, grafted in and having life and they desire it again. And they want to be grafted back in, and God allows that. Uh, and this is what I love about Paul's reasoning in that, is that he's understanding that God is not at, at work to have anyone be disconnected. God is constantly at work. As you read through Scripture and understand uh, what God's trying to do, that he wants everyone to be connected and have real life and real relationship. And God is willing to go so far as to say, you know what? 
You're a, freight, you're a fake tree. You're a fake branch coming off and you're not actually living out real relationship with me. And so what's best for you is that I cut you off so that you can know this isn't real. And hopefully that'll move you by, by your jealousy or whatever it is that you will be moved by that and want to have real life again, want to have real relationship with me again. And so God is, will go even to the extent of cutting off these branches because there's no life actually happening within them, in them so that they might actually have a real connection later. So what we learn from Scripture, what, is, what does pruning mean in Scripture? Well, it means, as we said, the purpose is to remove unconnected, unfruitful branches, and Paul would add on to that so that other branches might be connected and those Previous branches might want to be have real connection themselves. Um, but one of the things I, I want to point out, and it's kind of a subtle thing that happens here, is that who does the pruning? Anyone? God. Not you. Not me. Not anyone else but God. God is the pruner. And it, you might think, okay, I, I, I have authority over my own life. I, I should be pruning myself in shape. No. Nope. And some of us might even think, oh, it's my job to go prune other people because you know what, that growth's not good. I don't like that. Uh, no, that's not your job either. Neither, neither one of those is, is your job or my job. God's job is to prune. Uh, he is the one shaping his people uh, and shaping the tree itself. Uh, and also, if you notice from this, God is also the root. He is the root that's providing and sustaining all the branches. So everyone that is connected to him that has life has life because God is providing us. So God is doing all this work. He is pruning and shaping each individual branch, and he's pruning and shaping the tree as a whole, and he's also providing and sustaining for everyone that's connected to him. And that's all God's authority, God's job in this process. Um, and we see uh, on an individual level, God is shaping those branches. Uh, for Again, we look at nature to understand this, and I've, I've experienced this in my own. This isn't necessarily a scripture thing. It's more of an experiential thing. Uh, but I've experienced how God has pruned me and shaped me. Uh, and those processes, the, the, the things that happen in my life that I feel like are pruning, they're painful. They hurt. Relationships that get cut off, doors that get shut, opportunities that I thought were the thing I was supposed to do doesn't work out. Or doesn't go the direction I thought it was going to go. And, and I get frustrated and I, I get angry that like, hey God, I thought this was a good thing. I thought you called me to this. Why is this not working out the way I thought it should? And then years later, I'll look back and be like, oh, actually, that was, that was going to hurt me. Or that was hurting somebody else. Or both of those things were happening. That was leading somewhere that it shouldn't have gone. And even though it felt like a good thing at a time, it would actually have done damage. And so God prunes, and I look back, and I can look back at those moments in my life and be like, okay, thank you, God. That was actually really good. God has been shaping me and helping me grow. Um, but also God is at work, and we learn this part from Scripture, uh, as God's at work to cut off branches from the tree, because the tree's purpose is to display his glory to, the, to his creation. Uh, and so all the branches that are choosing not to actually have relationship with him, choosing not to have real connection with him are cut off, and branches have the or there's other branches being grafted in that want that connection, that want that relationship. Uh, and so God is at work doing all of this, shaping the individual branches and shaping the tree as a whole. Um, all for the purpose of reaching everybody and, and providing for everyone. So what's our part? What do we do in this process? What, do, what, what role do we have to play? It's pretty simple, but not very easy. We trust him. 
Um, the the part uh, that it says that a branch gets cut off and, and, and the part where the branches get added in, it uses the word faith or belief. Uh, that word can also be translated trust. And I wanted to use trust today uh, to translate it that way because I think when it comes to pruning, that's the word that most directly connects to what we should be doing. We need to trust God's pruning. Again, God's the one that's pruning. He's the one providing and sustaining. It's his job to do that, and we need to trust him uh, to do it. We need to trust him on, on two different levels. One, we have to trust him individually. That, Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, David uh, was going through uh, almost a decade of his life of pruning, which... You know, everything in his life seemed to lead up. God called him to become king. Everything seemed to be heading that direction. Everything seemed to be working out. And yet something happens where all of a sudden he's living for almost 10 years of his life on the run, fearing, and everything in his life kind of crumbles. And he's, he's so far away from his home and his people and his family and everything that he had thought. And so God is doing this process of pruning. And yet as we look through the Psalms and see what his words are, he, he's... He's afraid and he's frustrated, but he keeps coming back to the same thing, that God promised him something and he trusts in God's word. He trusts that God's going to fulfill his promise, that he will eventually become king. And this process of this 10 years that God is, is leading him through uh, being away from everything and, and fearing for his life, he learns to trust and becomes the man that God, that God can use as king, that would lead God's people. And so that process of David being pruned uh, is what's essential for David in that time is that he trusts God and continues to trust God in the midst of not seeing how God is doing, uh, what, what God is doing or why he's doing it. So David trusts him, and we have to have that same individual uh, trust in God where we, we understand that, you know what, God is shaping us and, and doing this for our health and for the sake of the branches around us and the, the people around us. And so God is shaping us, and even though it's painful at times, the pruning is important, and we have to trust in him. But we also have to have the, the same trust that, that Paul has. Paul has the, the collective trust that he has this deep desire and love for his Israelite brothers, and he wants them to have relationship, and so he's frustrated that God is, is, is seemingly uh, not opening up their hearts, and he's like, why, why God? Why wouldn't you want this? But he trusts that God has a good plan. And he trusts that, you know what, as much as I love my brothers, God loves them even more. And so maybe they're being cut off, but I believe that if, it is, if it's at all possible for them to have real connection and real life and real relationship with God, God is going to do everything in his power to make that happen. Paul doesn't get to be a part of that process as much as he'd like. He just gets to go and help the Gentiles get connected, but he believes that God is going to use that, that work to reach them. Because he trusts and believes that God's a good God that wants to have a relationship with everyone. And that's the same kind of trust that we need to have to understand that, you know what, yeah, it seems, it seems weird at times that, you know, either in our individual lives as we're living things out, we think, you know, this is a good thing. Why are you not letting me do it, God? Why is this being cut off? Why is this growth not happening the way I expected? We need to trust him like David and, and understand that God's got a good plan. And he's, he's pruning us for his purpose that's going to be good for us and good for everyone else. We also have to be willing to trust that God is, is collectively trying to get everyone to be connected to himself and even if that seems difficult, I know that my life, as I've poured myself out to youth student after youth student and wanting them to have a relationship with God, it's frustrating sometimes when I feel like their hearts are being hardened. And I'm like, God, why? 
what is happening? Or I feel like they, they get connected and then somewhere they lose, lose their way and I get so frustrated. God, why would you allow this to happen? But I have to continue to trust that God loves that kid more than I do. And God knows better than I do what's best for him, what's best for them, what's best for myself. So I trust the God that prunes me and all of us together. And I think this is necessary for us as a church, that if we're going to experience good growth here, uh, and we're going to be led by God, we have to understand that the process of pruning is going to keep happening. We're going to be pruned, and we're going to go through it, and it's going to be painful. There's going to be moments that are difficult for us to explain or understand, but that's okay, because we all should be trusting in a God that is good and wants to glorify himself through us and use us to reach more people so that everyone can be connected, because that's what his goal is. And if we can all do that together, we can trust in that same God together, trust in the same thing that Paul did, that he's a good, loving God trying to connect everyone to himself, then uh, I believe God can use this church to do a lot of really good things. But we have to allow that to happen in its, in its time and in its place, understanding that not all growth is, is, is the good kind of growth that God wants, that he's going to shape and prune us into uh, the people he wants us to be. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.